Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com, VeritasAcademyDC.com. Now on 105.9 FM and streaming worldwide on the WMAL app. O'Connor and Company. It is 7.06 as we fly through this Wednesday morning in your nation's capital, getting you prepped for your day. Coming up at 8.05, Peter Schweitzer, you're going to want to be a part of this conversation. He's got a new book called Blood Money. It's all about uh, communist China and how they've utilized their money here in the United States and the Americans who've gotten rich from them. And then at 8.35, Tom Bevan, Real Clear Politics, will give us his political analysis of last night's primary in Michigan and the way forward for Nikki Haley and for Undecided in Michigan, who really had a strong showing. Good for Undecided. You know, they've been out there for a while and they're really <laughs> doing their best. It's Larry O'Connor alongside Julie Gunlock. Good morning. Good morning, Julie. We take our uh, we continue to take this tour of the Republican primary process for the nominee for U.S. Senate uh, there's a lot of Republicans vying for the opportunity to unseat Tim Kaine as the junior senator of the Commonwealth of Virginia. And our uh, latest go around on that journey is Eddie Garcia, a 22 year Army veteran who served uh, three times in Iraq and three times in Afghanistan, six combat deployments. Eddie Garcia, first of all, thank you for that and thank you for your service and thank you for continuing to be a man in the arena by throwing your hat in the ring here for the Senate. Well, good morning, Larry. Uh, I appreciate it, and thank you guys for having me on. I have to start with your service here. I think it's critically important to who you are and what you're trying to accomplish here because i got to tell you, there's so many candidates for either Senate or for Virginia 7, Virginia 10 in Northern Virginia who are who are military veterans. It, it's like there's clearly something going on here with our military and with our national security under Joe Biden and under Tim Kaine that makes veterans step up and say, oh, no, 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 I didn't fight for this kind of result. So t- to talk to me about your your campaign here and your agenda shot through that prism. Why is it so important for you as a veteran? Well, well I can tell you, uh, Larry, I- I'm the son of a ranch hand uh, from a low-income background, originally from South Texas. Uh, I served for 22 years. I joined the Army when I was 17. I retired after five years of uh, congressional affairs uh, in uniform, and to come back 22 years later and to see working people across Virginia struggling further behind today than when I left two decades ago in the most prosperous nation in the world, something's got to be wrong. And I think that uh, as somebody who's deployed a lot and, and seen a, a lot of other countries torn apart uh, internally, uh, it, it, the, the same signs are here in America. Uh, we need a government and we need people uh, that want to represent uh, us in government that come from us, not at us, and that want to work on behalf of all Americans, not just the, the Washington crowd, not just the, the political elite and the consultants and the fundraisers and, and, and all those that are connected. Uh, we, have a, we have a large and larger growing population across Virginia of working people that are uh, finding it harder to pay the bills, harder to make rent, and, and harder to find good kids, to, uh, good schools to, to, to send their kids. Th- these are real problems that are going to affect the generations to come, and I think veterans have seen this type of scenario play out all across the world and sadly it's starting to to, to happen right here in america and we're, and we're stepping up and we're doing something about it and, and trying to be involved 
Mr. Garcia, what is your opinion of the recruitment and retention problems we have in the military? You did 22 years. You've been deployed all over the world. Um, certainly what we saw in Afghanistan is just tragic. And some of the leadership um, of the military is questionable at this point. But how would you fix that or approach that issue? Because that is something I think um, that that is really frightening in terms of our readiness and our uh, our ability to respond to some of the things that are going uh, on over the uh, across the world. Well, I think there's three problems that have led to this. Well, one of them, if you go back to the Obama years, Obama moved his recruiters away from the southeast where uh, most of the recruits were coming in uh, because he wanted a more a more diverse. Uh, force and he moved recruiters into the Northwest, where it's harder to find people that want to serve. Just over the past 20 years, and that was, I think, the beginning part of the DEI program that we know now. Uh, the, the current problem is that we do have, you know, a woke, politicized military uh, led by Secretary Austin, who is a Raytheon lobbyist who's used his his position in the service to to get a, a cushy job on K Street, and then now has come back in as the Secretary of Defense. Uh, and 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 it's putting politics over the national security. Uh, I think we see that by just his uh, lack of availability when he was going through his health problems, and and uh, the the DoD leadership uh, who are kind of asleep at the wheel. Uh, thirdly, uh, people that are in on the retention side um, don't don't want to stay in because of this. But then we also have a problem with veterans. I mean, our veteran uh, homelessness number uh, spiked seven percent last year. We have more. Uh, veterans that are suffering through um, mental trauma and mental illness after two decades of uh, unwinnable wars from from Washington's perspective, uh, and, and nobody really wants to be a part of that. And so if we don't have people who have served, uh, continue to serve in a, in a more uh, public capacity in, in Congress or in the Senate, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to see the, the, the continued degradation of our national security. Uh, we, we can't if we can't fight our own wars, uh, we can't have a, a, our own nation. If we can't control our borders, we can't have our own nation. There are some things that government has to do. Um, a strong, safe, and secure military is one of those things that we have to prioritize. We're speaking with Eddie Garcia. He's running for the Republican nomination for Senate. His website, by the way, is Eddie Garcia VA. Eddie Garcia VA for Virginia dot com. Listen, ultimately, you've got a lot of ideas, and I know that you've got, you know, I've seen the issues on your website, and I know that you're you're ready to sort of pitch yourself to voters here about why you should be the choice. But I think ultimately, this election here is going to be about why Tim Kaine is the wrong Mm. voice, wrong choice, excuse me. And I would love for you to take a moment here to show Republican voters in Virginia how you will make that case. What's wrong with Tim Kaine? Why shouldn't Tim Kaine get six more years? Larry, it's a great, uh, great question, because when I stand on stage next to Tim Kaine, uh, conservatives, Republicans, independents, but even the Democrats, even this new crop of Democrats that are coming up in Virginia are going to be able to see that that Tim Kaine represents the past and and I represent the future. He caused a lot of problems that we see across the nation, across the Commonwealth of Virginia specifically, and I have solutions to solve them. He represents Virginia 1994. I represent Mm. Virginia 2024. I, I believe that we can do the simple things, that we can build a government that works for all Americans up and down the income scale, whether you're in the valley, you're 
in the southwest, south side, Richmond, Nova, Hampton Roads. doesn't matter. We need somebody working for all Americans, it's not just the people who donate big money to campaigns. And that's a problem uh, that, that sets me apart with, between Tim Kaine, but it also sets me apart to any other Republican opponents. Uh, I, I'm working a grassroots campaign from the bottom up. I, I'm, like I said, I'm the son of a ranch hand. I've never had anything handed to me. I'm working really hard to see as many people across the Commonwealth as possible and provide solutions on how we build this better tomorrow in 2024 and grow the coalition that we're going to need of college kids, of veterans, of uh, second generation, immigrant communities, people, young people who want to uh, achieve the American dream. Uh, and and we got a government right now that just doesn't work for them. It, it works uh, for the people who have a lot. I'm working for working people. I guarantee you, whoever the Republican nominee is, Mr. Garcia, they're going to be labeled as a, uh, a Trump mega fascist, right? Who will be, <laughs> do get into the Senate and just do whatever Donald Trump orders him to do because, well, that's all the Democrats have. How will you uh, respond to that charge? Well, they're going to have a tough. Uh, they're going to have a tough argument on their hands because uh, I, I'm, I'm taking it to the Republican establishment as well. Uh, I believe we need a Republican Party that reflects the people that that we want to vote for. It. So if we want the farmers and the ranchers and construction workers to show up and vote for, it, we got to have a, a a party that has a platform for them. If we want young people coming out of college to to show up on election day and vote yeah. for us. As a, as a Republican, I've spent a lot of time in colleges uh, for the past two or three months, and I'm going to continue to get them involved. If we want to be an open party, if we want to grow this party with, with uh, different communities from different backgrounds and ethnicities, to include Hispanics, the uh, 11% of the population, we've we got to have a candidate that can go in there and reach well, them and authentically speak to their, to their communities who live conservatively, who might not be voting Republican. And if we can make that argument, we're going to win it. Well, it sure looks like President Trump will be that nominee. Do you think that he will be able to do that? His numbers certainly seem to be expanding specifically with Latino voters that you just cited. Absolutely. And and that's the case, which is why he's going to need somebody here in Virginia uh, to stand shoulder to shoulder with him as we make that argument, as we grow the coalition that we're going to need to win. I mean, uh, sadly, the president hasn't won this state in, in his two previous runs. I believe with the right candidate next to him, uh, that's able to do all those things that I just said and rally these troops uh, uh, behind a conservative cause. I, I think it's up for grabs, and, mm-hmm. and, and we can take it. We can send a shot across the bow to D.C. from Virginia uh, that says a political outsider with a grassroots campaign and a bottoms-up message of working people, putting people first, uh, ha- has yep. a message to win in 2024. Eddie the Garcia. of the past is, 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 is old and tired. Eddie Garcia, eddiegarciava.com. By the way, I, I overlooked the fact here in your bio that you commanded uh, paratroopers in the 82nd Airborne. So, I mean, you're, you're jumping out of planes. That's nothing compared <laughs> to running for office. So uh, take it to Tim Kaine there, Eddie. Thanks for joining us, and thanks, thanks for your thanks. service. Thanks for having me, Larry. It's 716. WMAL. Making sense of the news. Live. From the Home Paramount Pest Control Studios. Home Paramount, the leader in pest control since 1939. O'Connor and Company is brought to you by Hadid Carpet Cleaning. WMAL. Making sense of world events. Because those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Download the WMAL app to stream us for free. You remember, uh, you weren't there at the time, but uh, in early... 2017, I had 12 glorious weeks as the online editor for Weekly Standard. You, <laughs> you know, that magazine that no longer exists. Right. 
Um, and I know, but I will tell you, and, and obviously we parted ways after those 12 weeks because we had different visions, let's mm. say, mm-hmm. about the content of the website. And of course, Weekly Standard is gone and I'm still standing. That said, right. that said, there were some great writers over there. Sure. Say what you will. Even if you disagree with her politics, they're good writers. Yeah. Mark Hemingway of course. is just fantastic. Lee Smith, fantastic. Yes. yes. Uh, Vic Mattis, great yes. guy, great writer. Uh, and Jonathan Lasky, not so sure about. Mm. But uh, that said, uh, there's a gentleman who had worked at Weekly Standard, made his way up, and he ended up getting a job at the New, uh, New York Times. Because, mm-hmm. again, just a great journalist, great writer, yeah. good editor. And there was a time when the New York Times actually pretended like they wanted to have some other voices in the newsroom, right? Adam Rubenstein is his name, and he infamously— Did, ended, you, remember, did, you, did you work with him? I did not work okay. with Adam. I didn't. Um, but he infamously was the person who was the editor and coordinated the op-ed by Tom Cotton that ended up basically blowing up the entire dude. Right, right. Wasn't his fault. Which is by now the way. which has been proven true. Like yeah, yeah, just hundred yeah. percent. That that the, this had to do with Wuhan and right. with the the origins and of the how dare they put Tom Cotton on our pages. Racist. That man is a fascist and he's a right. racist and he's Trump and he's this and he's that. So Adam Rubenstein is now after I, maybe there was an NDA for a couple of years where he had to play out his contract. But he's just written an article in the Atlantic, naturally, mm-hmm. uh, explaining what happened at the New York Times, and there's one when an- he first went there, right, right, right. When he first got there, he said, yeah. "Well, he tells the whole story, but but this right, right. one little anecdote about uh, his HR orientation day <laughs> at the New York Times." Let me just read it for you real fast. On one of my first days at the New York Times, I went to an orientation with more than a dozen other new hires. We had to do an icebreaker. Pick a step. This is so. Harvard MBA. And remember when they were melting down years ago and they had this whole thing where you passed the moose around the room and if you held on to the moose, you could speak? Otherwise, oh, dear God. No, right? I don't oh, 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 it's just insane. This is almost as bad as when when staff meetings start with give us some good news and some, some challenging news. Right. Tell you're it. like, just can I get to the... Yeah. So right. you pick a starburst out of a jar and then you have to answer <laughs> a question associated with the color of your starburst. My starburst was pink, I believe, so I had to answer the pink prompt, which had me respond with my favorite sandwich. Russ and Daughter's Super Heebster came to mind, but I figured mentioning a $19 sandwich wasn't a great way to win new friends. I want that sandwich. Yeah, but there's nothing more Atlantic New York Times than that sentence right there. Come on, come back to us, Adam. Right. Uh, That he said, so I blurted out the spicy chicken sandwich from (laughs) Chick-fil-A. The HR representative leading the orientation chided me. We don't do that here. They hate gay people. Oh, God. People started snapping their fingers in acclamation. At the HR, not at the spicy chicken sandwich, right. but at the HR. Can you person. picture that room that, you know, oh. if, if, if for you, you snap your fingers if you agree with yeah, something that's Picture the room. Said. First of all, most people have green hair, blue yeah. hair. Okay. They're, they're people who show up on the libs of TikTok news yes, feed. Yes, yes. Um, people started saying, I hadn't been thinking about the fact that Chick-fil-A was transgressive in liberal circles for its chairman's opposition to gay marriage. Not the politics, the chicken, I quickly said, but it was too late. And by the way, by by sort of walking back the whole politics chicken, instead of looking around and saying, it's a sandwich. Yeah, I know. He's, he's basically, like, I made a mistake. Yeah, so he fed into it and sort of got everything what he deserved. All right, so then Nicole Hannah-Jones... Mm-hmm. New York Times editor in good standing who literally has one article to her byline in the last decade and a half, I yeah, think. Yeah, she's a fraud. She won the Pulitzer for the 1619 Which Project. Which was filled with lies. 
And so that's all she has to do. She right. is, she, she just sits there. Oh, and she holds them ransom. She's like Joy Reid to MSNBC. Yes, they can absolutely. never get rid of her. Right. She commented on this on social media and said it never happened. Mm-hmm. Well, the Atlantic, first of all, John Levine, a buddy of ours over at the New York Post, yeah. he quoted and said, for what it's worth, Adam Rubenstein told me the chicken sandwich story back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Doesn't right. matter to Hannah. Because they both work in New York Times. Well, the Atlantic is very concerned that the Pulitzer Prize winning Nicole Hannah-Jones right. would, would say that this is a journalistic lie. journalistic integrity, exactly. Atlantic spokeswoman on the Chick-fil-A incident says that the details were confirmed by New York Times employees who had contemporaneous knowledge of the incident in yeah. question. Yeah, well, Hannah, you know, Nicole Hannah-Jones, I'm trying to get her yeah. entire name, uh, isn't known for historic accuracy. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. She this goes... Fast and loose with historical details. But Doesn't really care. Imagine getting your job at the New York Times. You have to go through this HR oh, thing. I know. They ask what your favorite sandwich is. You say Chick-fil-A and you're immediately, immediately seen as the right winger. Because you like Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Which, by the way, but also imagine majority of Americans like Chick-fil-A, which tells you the New York Times, they don't care no, they don't about care. readers. But they imagine don't... also like the transformation you personally have to go through that you're Mm. You mentioned this earlier that your reaction was like, "Oh shoot, shoot! I just like the sandwich. I don't like the politics." Right, and at you that immediately point, have to justify yeah. it, and and, and that you've lost it. And then you point. write an article, and you're talking about how you're justifying your love of a spicy chicken sandwich, right? And but I don't like the politics, you know, right. and dis- having to distance yourself. And also well, not examining that. I mean, I know that the whole article he's trying to say like that place was crazy, right? But no, but he's the problem. Yeah. So here's the thing, and I mentioned this earlier in the show that that all the the biggest money in the media is in the New York Times, and as we've learned from Don Lemon's exit contract, CNN, the networks. That's a, and and so if you really want to cash out, you go get a job at the New York Times, and on day one in HR, you have a choice to make. When they start condemning you because you like Chick Fil A, you can stand up and say, "I don't need this in my life. No dollar is worth it." Or you say, oh, God, please forgive me and, and this, keep paying And me. this is the basically the career trajectory of David French, who has spent... Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com, VeritasAcademyDC.com. Every week, Michael Rosenbaum is getting deep with someone new on the Inside of You podcast. Let's get inside of Shelly Hennick. So Obliterated's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I had the best time. That's it was great. challenging, but it was like the show. That doesn't always happen. Everybody's trying to make a show and you're this not. This was a dream. It's no fun. Genuinely. That's and if it beautiful. wasn't, I would just keep my mouth shut and talk about something else. Like, yeah, it like, was. hey, it was fine. Because yes. I've done that. I've asked people and they're like, you know. Yeah. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Wherever you listen. The last couple of years, of the New York Times apologizing That's right. for his former conservative values and condemning and all of condemning his, all of us, all of his yes. friends. Yes, it's seven twenty-five now on one hundred five point nine FM and streaming worldwide on the WMAL app. O'Connor and Company. Seven thirty-seven on this very, very busy Wednesday morning in your nation's capital. We're analyzing yesterday's primary in Michigan. We're talking about what's going on in our community and in our country on a regular basis here through the perspective and prism that you appreciate, you know, making sense of the news and everything else going on in our culture and in our world. It's O'Connor and Company with Larry O'Connor and Julie Gunlock. 
Good morning. Good morning, Julie. I'm looking forward to our conversation at 805 with Peter Schweitzer, one of the smartest guys out there. Uh, his research team is phenomenal mm. and uh, fresh on the heels of a string of books exposing corruption in our politics. He's got a brand new one. It's called Blood Money. You'll want to hear that conversation. Then 835, we will speak with Tom Bevan of Real Care Politics. Great lineup. Today. And with Tom Bevan, we're going to talk about this uh, Republican primary yesterday. Let's let's pick up on that, though, real fast. Uh, Donald Trump uh, just running away with it there. Uh, winning by, what, 60 points, it looks like, over Nikki Haley. Actually, the most devastating loss she's had in this entire run. This is the fourth major primary after the Iowa caucus, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Uh, It wasn't even close. Nikki Haley, of course— I said earlier this week that no matter what happens in South Carolina, I would continue to run for president. I'm a woman of my word. Now, I, I, she's, of course, said that uh, the evening of the South Carolina primary. Yeah. I play it again today mostly because I know it annoys you so much. It does. <laughs> um, but it is interesting to hear the language that she uses there. See, here's the thing. Nikki Haley vows that she's going to continue running for president, not for the Republican nomination, but for president. And I really do think that what's at play here, the big decision that she is facing right now, that if she wants it, she could have that no labels nomination yeah, in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And there's a lot of powerful big money people who are enticing her to do that. And because there's a lot of never Trump money. That That's the money yep. I'm talking yep. about. And the, because the only reason to run, if you're Nikki Haley, that is, the only reason to run on a no labels is if to you want to Trump. end yep. Donald Trump yeah. once and for all. And it might do it. Actually, it might work. I've been trying to work the numbers here and run the numbers. Nikki Haley does draw a significant number of Republicans. Now, whether they will follow her to a no labels ticket ju- just to hurt Trump, I don't know. Right. Because it will hand the presidency to Joe Biden. There's no doubt about it. Right. But if that's her intent, that's what she'll do. Yeah, which I think, you know, if she has any ambitions beyond this election year, it could hurt her. And it will also, I believe, hurt her with South Carolina voters if she wants to eventually run for Senate there. So Mm -hmm. I I, I don't understand the calculation. I truly don't. If the calculation is what's best for Nikki Haley, there's no understanding it. Right. If the calculation is what's worse for Donald Trump, then it all starts to make sense. We'll see. We'll see whether she's interested in being a president. If you've noticed, Donald Trump, during New Hampshire and like going into South Carolina, he had some pretty harsh criticism of of Ms. Haley, as you know, and, and, and he hasn't gone there. I don't know. He sort of ignores her now. Well, that, that they announced and that they announced the the Trump administration. Or I'm sorry, the Trump, Trump campaign, campaign yeah. announced that they're going forward. They will ignore her. Yeah. Um. So that's that's a campaign strategy that they've announced. But you know, with Haley, you mentioned earlier, which I find so interesting. She never talks about Biden. She's right. only talking about Trump now, which I get it. Or she'll lump but, Trump with Biden when she talks about yeah. generational change. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Too old mm-hmm. to hold the office. Yeah. Well, that's that's the Republican side of the equation. We'll see what Nikki Haley decides to do on the Democrat side of the equation. Joe Biden won, yes, by with about eighty nine percent of the vote. No, actually, less than that. I'm sorry. Uh, Joe Biden got eighty four percent of the vote. Eighty one percent. Excuse me. God, it's worse than I thought. Eighty one percent of the vote. Uh, second place was thirteen and a quarter percent to uncommitted. Hundred thousand votes. Yeah. CNN and Jake Tapper analyzed that on CNN. About twenty thousand people voted uncommitted. About twenty eight thousand voted uncommitted in the Republican primary. And you keep going back every four years and it's about twenty thousand people in each party 
vote uncommitted. So I kind of look at that, and maybe you tell me what you think about this. I kind of look at that as the floor for the uncommitted movement this evening. 20,000 is like, that's... Just so trying so hard to rationalize this. Right. And say, oh, this happens all the time. Is it? Well, it wasn't the floor, obviously. It ended up being 100,000. That was early in the evening when they had that. But yeah. we'll let them continue. Kind of like what happens every election. They get 30, they get 40, they get 50,000. Well, now we're talking. That's a real protest. Right. So if you look at roughly 20,000, and I think that's, that's history says that's a fair number. Uh, one of the dynamics sometimes in those uncommitted votes is a certain candidate decides not to contest the state. Right. Back in 2008, the uncommitted vote was way higher because uh, both Barack Obama and John Edwards didn't, didn't play in Michigan, and their voters voted uncommitted to sort of say, I want to go out and vote for my guy, but I can't vote for my guy. Uh, so it was much higher then. So the question this time, though, is there's nobody, there's nobody like that. There's not another Democratic candidate who said, oh, I'm going to skip Michigan because Biden's strong there. So that, I think, is a true protest vote, uh, you know, as opposed to in years past where there were different reasons for it. Or it's, you know, maybe, may, let's not overstate that it's all about Israel-Gaza. Uh, uncommitted is going to tell us people who had a chance to vote for an incumbent Democratic president or vote. Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com. VeritasAcademyDC.com. What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Vote for his long shot challenger, and they chose to vote uncommitted. So it tells you, number one, they're unhappy. It's still yeah, a, which it, explains why we're think? saying yeah. yeah. It still amazes me that these people on television get paid so much money to get uh, that kind of analysis. I know. I know. You're still like, angry about the eight million dollars a year, Don Lemon. Don Lemon. Eight million. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Know, you're right. I should Stay let focused. that go. All right. Listen, Tom Bevan is going to join us at eight thirty-five. Give us a little bit more detail here, but I think that this is a deep concern for for Joe Biden. Well, a hundred thousand people, Democrats, Democrats voted no to Joe Biden. In 2020, as a protest, right, and in 2020, he won Michigan by 150,000 votes. Well, Rashida Tlaib is having none of it. Yeah, and one will wonders if he's going to sell his soul and sell out Israel for the sake of Dearborn, Michigan. We know, of course, we know. His entire political career has not been notable in any way whatsoever with any kind of achievement other than to further advance his lamentable corrupt political career and if it means selling out israel for the sake of dearborn michigan votes no biggie not even a question it's 743 the pope the pope the pope is a sick the pope has been put into the hospital he has the flu and he's gonna be okay <laughs> lord you're reporting on the Pope, you got to do it in Italian. Oh, you do? Yeah, you e- know. even if your Pope is Spanish. I don't uh, think you do. Argentinian. I don't think you do. No? You, can talk you like it like in the original Latin? You trad. They're going to send the FBI after you. <laughs> uh, pope Francis has been suffering from the flu. He's been hospitalized. He's had issues with his lungs at various times for other reasons. 87 years old, and uh, he's now in the hospital. And uh, the Vatican says that, you know, it's routine. He's got the flu. A lot of people are struggling with flu this year. It's been a mm. nasty one, right? RSV. A lot of, there have been deaths from the flu. Children, by the way, more children are dying from the flu, obviously, as they ever did from COVID. That's right. Just shut down yeah. the schools. 
don't give them any ideas. They will, they. too. Yeah, but they really will. it actually explains why, you know, there's footage of the Pope being really weird about touching hands. And, yes. Um, gives it, makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, although he does come across kind of like a he, jerk he, when he does yeah, that. I know, you know? I know. He's the Pope all day long. But for other people, they, they have a very rare moment that they can meet of the course. Pope. You've met a Pope. You've met I a have. good Pope. I did. The best Pope. Pope John Paul. John Paul the Great. That's right. You get to meet him. I did. In your wedding dress. I did. You got blessed. Blessing of the bride. I love that. In Rome. Uh, but do you, by the way, people are just like, oh my gosh, the Pope has got the flu. He's in the hospital. He's like, people think that he's super old. He's 87. Mm-hmm. Um, Biden thinks he's young. That's right. Exactly. Uh, do you think he's, the people think that this must be the oldest living Pope we've ever had, right? It's not. No. Nah, not even close, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Benedict technically was, but for the latter part of his years, he was the Pope Emeritus, so yes. that doesn't count, mm-hmm. really. He wasn't he an active gra- Pope. He had the grace to step down when he realized that he yes. wasn't up to the job. Oh, he had a lot of grace. Um, but then you go to Leo the Thirteenth. Oh, Leo's yeah. a great name for a Pope, isn't Leo's it? Leo's a great name, period. We had some really good Leos. I think Leo was on our short list of names for boys. 93 years and 140 days. Then you got Gregory the Twelfth. 92 years old. Um, Celestine People the didn't third, live that long back years, then. Well, the popes did. John the 22nd, 90 years old. You got to go. Uh, the Francis, no, seriously, back then, that was. Oh, I know. That's I a mean, big deal. That was rare. Well, unless you go to the Old Testament times when they live for 800 right, years. This that's isn't true. a Methuselah situation. But if Francis wants to be the oldest living pope, he's got six more years left. Mm. And I don't know if we can take it. It's 753. Veritas Academy was chosen by Niche as the number one Christian and private school in Northern Virginia and third in the state of Virginia. Visit the National Landing Campus and join the Headmaster for Coffee every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. VeritasAcademyDC.com, VeritasAcademyDC.com.